Hello and welcome to Genius Law Minds, the podcast about childhood mental health from the perspective of a licensed mental health professional. I'm Dr. Madeline Vieira, a clinical child psychologist specializing in infant mental health and childhood anxiety disorders. I'm also a mother of three girls, ages six, four, and three, so I can personally relate to a lot of the struggles parents go through. Raising healthy children is important. So on each episode of Genius Little Minds, we'll dive into an aspect of childhood mental health. I'm here to shine a light on the tough issues that families like you are facing every day. Things like childhood mood disorders, anxiety, tricky family dynamics, and more. I'll guide you through the various aspects of children's mental health so you not only understand your child better, but also feel empowered as a parent to make decisions and help them seek treatment if it's needed. My mission is to demystify childhood mental health issues so you can connect with your child better and help them lead a healthy, happy life. Throughout the podcast, I'll help you understand the signs, symptoms, and treatments for various childhood psychological disorders. We'll talk about how you can best support your child in both school and at home and how to find professional help if necessary. Together, we'll navigate tough topics like infant attachment, toddler tantrums, signs of anxiety, ADHD, and childhood depression intrusive thoughts or obsessive behaviors, and so much more. So whether you're having trouble bonding with your newborn or you have an older child displaying behavioral difficulties, this podcast is for you. I work with infants and children with a wide range of mental health concerns. If you gain one thing from this podcast is that you are not alone. Thousands of families struggle with the same things that you do. And the good news is help is available. I believe that with the right information, you can make empowered decisions for your family. If you're a new parent or caregiver or haven't spent much time with young children, you may be wondering how much sleep do babies actually need? An infant's sleep needs will vary based on their age. If you have a newborn, you've probably noticed they sleep a lot, but not always when you want them to. In general, newborns sleep about 8 to 9 hours during a day and about 8 hours at night. But they probably won't sleep for more than 1 to 2 hours at a time, unfortunately. In the first few weeks especially, it's normal for your newborn to wake up to feed and then go right back to sleep. They'll do this at night too, waking several times in the middle of the night because they're hungry. Your newborn will need to be breastfed roughly every 2 to 4 hours, which makes sleeping really tough for parents, but a baby's gotta eat. Don't worry, the sleepless nights won't last forever. As your infant grows, the total amount of sleep she needs will slowly decrease and she'll sleep in longer stretches. Thank goodness! Your baby's daytime and nighttime sleep needs will change as they grow. A one-month-old will sleep about seven hours during the day and eight to nine hours at night. A three-month-old will sleep about four to five hours during the day and nine to ten hours at night. A six-month-old will sleep about four hours during the day and 10 hours at night. And a nine-month-old and 12-month-old will sleep about three hours during the day and 11 hours at night. Unfortunately, most babies don't sleep six to eight hours straight until they're about three months old. About two-thirds of babies can regularly sleep through the night by the time they're six months old. But some infants need sleep training, which we'll talk about later in the podcast. You may be wondering why your baby can't just sleep through the night just like a grown-up. It's because they don't have a fully developed circadian rhythm. In simple terms, a circadian rhythm is the body's internal clock, 
It regulates the sleep-wake cycle in a 24-hour period, and it's affected by light and darkness. Because babies don't have fully developed internal clocks, their sleep cycles are different from ours. In general, healthy adults will sleep at least seven hours at night in an uninterrupted block of time. Newborns, on the other hand, need 16 to 18 hours of sleep in a 24-hour period. But they can't sleep through the night. And this is broken into short periods during the day and night. If you have an infant, I know you want them to sleep through the night, so you can too. It's really difficult to have your sleep interrupted for months on end. But please know, it's not your baby's fault they need so much sleep, yet they can't sleep in long stretches like we do. It does get easier, I promise. I have three children of my own, and I remember how tough the first year was with all of them. But between the ages of 3 and 12 months, things should improve as your child develops a more adult sleep schedule. Let's go through an infant sleep cycle to help you understand how it's different from ours. When newborns are sleeping, they're either in rapid eye movement, REM sleep, or non-rapid eye movement, NREM sleep. They spend about the same amount of time in each stage while they're sleeping. REM sleep is also known as active sleep, while NREM is known as quiet sleep. When in active sleep, your baby might make small movements. She might twitch or slightly jerk her limbs, move her mouth, her eyes might move around while they're closed, and her breathing might even speed up. Don't be alarmed as this is all perfectly normal. When in quiet sleep, on the other hand, your baby is still and doesn't make any movements, both active and quiet sleep are part of healthy development. At around three months old, your baby will go through the same sleep stages that we do. In a typical night, an adult goes through several rounds of sleep cycles, usually four to six, lasting about 90 minutes each. Each stage is distinguished by different brain waves. You're probably most familiar with the last stage of sleep, REM sleep, which is when you dream. Babies actually experience a short REM cycle almost immediately after falling asleep, while adults won't have one until we've been asleep for about 90 minutes. Over time, as your infant grows, her sleep cycle progresses. Eventually, she spends less time in REM sleep and her sleep cycle starts to look more like an adult's. So, with all these nighttime wakings, what's a parent to do? And where should your infant sleep? Some parents choose to room share with their baby, meaning the crib or bassinet is in the parent's bedroom, rather than in a nursery. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends room sharing, but not bed sharing as room sharing can help with feeding, soothing, and monitoring the baby at night. But infant sleep schedules and decisions around room sharing will differ from culture to culture. In many Asian countries, for example, bed sharing is common. Babies will share their parents' bed until they are toddlers, and then move to their own smaller bed, still in their parents' room. Beds across the world differ. So bed sharing in another country may be safer than bed sharing in the U.S., given those differences. Bedtimes will also vary from culture to culture. In American culture, it's standard for babies to be put to bed at the same time every night, around 6, 7, or 8 p.m. In Southern Europe or Asian cultures, on the other hand, it's more common for babies to be put to bed around 9, 10, or 11 p.m., which American parents might consider quite late. 
Bedtime may also be more fluid outside of the United States, and other countries and cultures may not stick to such a rigid bedtime schedule as American parents. Opinions around nap time may also differ from culture to culture. American parents tend to gravitate towards strict nap time schedules. This may be in part due to the woeful short maternity leaves. Moms typically only get 12 weeks off, and they're often unpaid. Croatia, Denmark, the UK, and Serbia, on the other hand, offer year-long maternity leave, where moms typically receive 90 to 100 percent of their working wage. So you can see how differences in culture and policy can impact how a person parents and what strategies they implement to raise their kids. Each baby and situation is unique. Whatever your choice is regarding where your baby sleeps, make sure it's safe for your little one and works for you and your family. some general rules of thumb to provide your baby with a safe sleeping arrangement. Full disclosure, these do come from a Western perspective and are not meant as a judgment on cultural practices that differ from Western ones. First, your baby should sleep on his or her back, not on their stomach or side. This is to reduce the likelihood of SIDS, or Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. SIDS usually happens when infants are sleeping and is usually unexplained. Infants may have a harder time breathing when sleeping on their stomach or side as opposed to their back. Once your infant learns to safely roll from their stomach to their back, it's okay for them to sleep on their stomach. Just don't put them to sleep this way. Always put your baby to sleep on their back, regardless of their age, as this is safest. Second, your baby should sleep on a firm surface. Sleeping on a soft, fluffy surface can block an infant's airway. So you want to make sure the sheets over your infant's mattress fit snugly and your baby's crib, bassinet, or other sleeping arrangement meet safety standards. Third, things like plush toys, pillows, blankets, sheepskins, quilts, or bumper pads should not be in your baby's sleeping area. The crib or bassinet should not have anything in it. An exception is a dummy or what Americans call a pacifier. It's okay for your baby to be put to bed with a pacifier And if it falls out while your baby is sleeping, that's okay. Lastly, don't overbundle your baby. You don't want them to overheat. Dress them appropriately for sleep depending on the climate you live in. And now for the burning question in all parents' minds. How do you actually help your baby fall asleep? Well, since your baby isn't born with a fully developed circadian rhythm, You can help them establish one by making sure they get plenty of stimulation during the day and enough exposure to daylight. But you don't want to keep them awake during the day in the hopes they'll sleep more at night. Babies who are overtired at night often have more trouble falling asleep than those who've had enough naps during the day. It seems counterintuitive, but those daytime naps are super important for your baby's nighttime sleep schedule. Before bedtime, try setting up a routine for your infant to associate with sleeping. You could give them a bath, sing to them, change them into pajamas quietly in a dimly lit room. Such help your baby associate the crib with being soothed and calm. It may take weeks or months for you to develop a sleep routine that works for your family. When your newborn wakes for middle-of-the-night feedings or diaper changes, try to keep the environment calm and quiet so she associates nighttime with sleep. Resist the temptation to play with or excite your baby when she wakes in the middle of the night. Of course, it's okay to rock, 
cuddle, or sing softly to your baby to help her go back to sleep. But you don't want to rouse her more than necessary or accidentally send her the signal that it's time to wake up. You're probably familiar with the concept of swaddling. Swaddling is when you wrap your newborn snugly in a light blanket to recreate the sensation of being in the womb. It's been used for thousands of years across many cultures. Many parents find that swaddling helps soothe their infant and helps them sleep more deeply and for longer stretches. But swaddling is only appropriate when your baby is a newborn. As soon as your infant can roll over or is showing signs that they're learning to roll over, you should not swaddle anymore for safety reasons. Let's discuss some common sleep issues by age and then we'll get into sleep training. When your child is first born until about three months old, they may still be adjusting to back sleeping. Swaddling and using a pacifier can help. Around four months, your baby may experience what's called a sleep regression. This can happen because there's just so much to see and do in the wide, wonderful world. Around this time, your infant is starting to notice all the amazing things around him. And he just doesn't want to waste time sleeping. If your infant had a pretty predictable sleeping pattern and was sleeping for longer stretches, but out of the blue starts waking up often, fussing, or is fighting sleep, you're probably dealing with sleep regression. Sleep regression usually happens when there's a disruption in a routine, a growth spurt, a new developmental milestone has been reached, or if your baby is sick. The good news is, it's temporary. Make sure your little one is sleeping enough during the day and stick to your routine at night. In time, it should pass. Sleep regression is also fairly common at six months, eight to 10 months, or when your baby reaches her first birthday, because growth spurts reaching major milestones like crawling or walking or separation anxiety often occur at those ages. Paying attention to your baby's sleep cues like rubbing her eyes, looking away, yawning, fussing, and putting her to bed before she's overtired can help combat sleep regression. By the time your baby is six months old, you'll want her to know it's safe to fall asleep on her own. Putting your baby to bed while she's still awake can help her practice falling asleep independently. If she still needs to be rocked or fed to fall asleep, you may want to consider sleep training. So what exactly is sleep training? Sleep training teaches your baby to self-soothe and fall asleep on their own. It's usually appropriate to start when your baby is between four and six months old, as this is typically when infants can learn to soothe themselves. I'm going to briefly go over five sleep training methods, four of which I think are useful and one I think is rather outdated, but worth mentioning since it was quite popular in the late 19th and early 20th century. If you've heard of the cried out method, you may think all sleep training is cruel. That's just not true though. And I'll go over four popular gentler methods next. But the controversial cried out method has you essentially leave your infant to cry alone until he falls asleep. Parents or caregivers don't respond to cries throughout the night or soothe the baby when he's fussy. It's a form of needs neglect and releases stress hormones, impairs self-regulation and undermines trust. This method is now seen as rather outdated and perhaps even harmful. The less extreme Ferber method involves checking in on your baby at predetermined times and briefly comforting them. 
comforting should only last a minute or two and involves calmly speaking to your infant or gently touching them. But you don't feed them, pick them up, or turn on the light. You increase the time in between these intervals gradually until your baby falls asleep on their own. Next, we have the chair method, which involves sitting in a chair close to your baby's crib and comforting them as needed until they fall asleep. You move the chair further and further from the crib over the course of a few weeks until you're able to remove it from the nursery entirely. If your baby wakes up during the night, you soothe them from the chair with gentle reassurance until they fall back asleep. The pick-up-put-down method is exactly what it sounds like. You put your baby down in their crib, pick them up and hold them for a bit if they cry or fuss. Once they're calm, you put them back in their crib. This is repeated until they fall asleep. And last but not least is the bedtime fading method. This method involves tuning into your infant's sleep cues and not putting them down for bed until they show signs they're tired. So instead of putting your baby to bed at a time you think is right, you monitor them for sleep cues when they yawn, fuss, rub their eyes, flutter their eyelids, pull at their ears, or do anything else to let you know they're ready to sleep, that's when you put them to bed. You offer comfort as needed throughout the night and then shift their bedtime by 15 minutes every few nights until they're going to sleep at the time you desire. If you've tried sleep training or you're just at a loss on where to start, you can always consult a sleep trainer for help. It's important to note you can't spoil an infant who can't self-soothe. And babies typically can't learn to self-soothe until they're about six months old. So don't worry about spoiling your newborn or infant by attending to them. Yes, you'll adjust your comforting strategies as your baby gets older and masters the art of self-soothing. But until they're old enough for sleep training and self-soothing, it's important to attend to their needs more intensely. If you haven't already, listen to the podcast episode on attachment to understand why this is so important. Research suggests that infants are likely to sleep more through the night when their mom is emotionally available, but doesn't have too much close contact at bedtime. One study found that when moms showed emotional availability at bedtime, meaning they were aware of their baby's cues and responded appropriately to them, their infants were less distressed when it was time for bed and they also slept longer. They also found that nine-month-old infants had lower cortisol levels when mom was emotionally available at bedtime and responded often to non-distress cues for connection. You essentially want to be responsive to your baby's needs before bed or in the middle of the night, but you also want to be boring, not being engaging or stimulating, so it's easy for them to go back to sleep. If you're afraid of coddling your baby and you're nervous they'll never learn to sleep without you if you're attentive to them, don't be. Actually, newborns who are carried and held during the day are less likely to fuss and have colic. But you are correct in thinking that as your baby grows, you shouldn't need to comfort her in the same way. Eventually, yes, your baby should be able to self-soothe and go back to sleep on her own. But as I've mentioned many times, Self-soothing typically isn't something your baby can do until she's at least six months old. Until then, they need you to feel safe and secure. Self-soothing is a learned skill, 
And though this may be counterintuitive, it's usually more possible for infants whose basic needs are met early on. Let's not forget dad's part in all of this. One study found that dad's involvement in caring for their three-month-old both day and night predicted better sleep for both mom and baby three months later. Hardly surprising though, is it? If you have a partner, enlist them for help on this journey. And as always, now is the portion of the podcast where I take caller questions. On every episode, we hear from parents from all over the world in the hopes that we'll help you get some clarity on how to help your child. Hello, my name is Juan. I'm calling from Lisbon, Portugal, with a question about sleep training. It seems there are a lot of different theories on whether or not to let babies cry it out when they wake up crying in the middle of the night. My wife and I have different opinions on the matter. She says it's okay to let our child cry himself back to sleep and that it's um, actually important for him to self-soothe. But how long is too long? Should we wait a certain amount of time and then go in to soothe him if he can fall asleep on his own? He's five months old and sometimes breastfeeds at night, but not always. I'm just worried he's going to have abandonment issues if we aren't there to suit him when he needs us. Hi, Joanne. Thanks for calling in. When questioning whether or not to sleep train, there are a lot of opinions out there. I'd love to share my thoughts with you. Sleep is incredibly important for a baby's development and brain formation. Laying a good foundation from the beginning will help your baby grow. However, Strict sleep training too early has been shown to disrupt breastfeeding, cause increased stress, or cause decreased attachment. Developmentally, it is still normal for a five-month-old baby to still need one or two feedings at night. Babies have much smaller tummies than we do and need to eat more often because of that. Additionally, since your baby likely hasn't started eating solid food yet, they need more milk to fill their nutritional needs. Most babies will grow out of night feedings naturally. If you practice good sleep habits, a majority of babies will eventually sleep through the night without sleep training. You could try introducing independent sleep props. Sleep props are what babies use to fall asleep. And if they're independent, that means the baby can use them without your help. Great examples could be a dummy or pacifier or the use of a white noise machine. White noise can be anything from the sound of rain, to a constant hum at one tone. These sounds serve two purposes. They mimic what the womb sounded like and they help block out outside noises. If your baby can be soothed back to sleep with a pacifier or by white noise, they may not need your help in the middle of the night. While this is a form of self-soothing, it will only work if all of your baby's needs are met. It won't work if he's hungry, uncomfortable, or in need of a diaper change. Your baby needs to know that you are always there to meet their needs. That's how a secure attachment will be formed. It may be helpful to establish a sleep schedule and bedtime routine. These practices help your baby learn when nighttime is beginning and help establish their circadian rhythm so that they know when it's time to wake up for the day. You should keep in mind that babies can be loud, fitful sleepers 
Some babies talk in their sleep or kick their legs and swing their arms because of their dreams. Some babies will even fuss with the transition from one sleep cycle to the next. Sometimes, when parents rush to grab their baby as soon as they cry out, picking them up is exactly what is waking them. When you hear your baby in the night, try pausing before you pick them up. Give them about three minutes to see if they will settle back to sleep without your help. You know your baby best. The more you practice pausing, the better you will be able to gauge how long you need to wait before knowing that they are actually awake. Your baby may fuss for longer than three minutes and then be fine, or they may take some time to go back to sleep after one minute of crying. Practicing the pause often will help figure this out for your baby. You will also learn to distinguish whether their cry is a hungry cry or an in-pain cry. Don't worry about pausing then. Trust your instincts. There are many different types of sleep training besides just cry it out that you can try if these tips don't work for you. These include the Ferber method, the chair method, the pick-up-put-down method, bedtime fading, or gentle sleep training. Each baby is unique. Whatever sleep training techniques you decide to use needs to be best for your baby and your family. Hi, this is Olimpia from Lecce, Italy. Um, I'm calling because I'm six months pregnant and um, I've started doing some uh, research on co-sleeping. I'm wondering what, um, what your take on it is. My husband wants to get the nursery set up before the baby comes, but um, I'm wondering if um, we, should, um, we should have her share our bedroom instead. Um, sleep is super important to me and I am honestly dreading the sleepless nights that come with a newborn. Um, I want to make breastfeeding as easy as possible. So having her share our room seems like the most logical thing to do. My husband, on the other hand, isn't thrilled with the idea and also, does she need um, her own bed or would she sleep in our bed if we're co-sleeping? Hi Olympia, thanks for sharing your concerns. So many parents are just like you, wondering what sleep setup is best for them and their baby. Most medical bodies recommend that babies share your room, but not your bed. For the first six months of life, you likely will find it much easier to breastfeed at night when you don't have to go to another room to feed her. You could put her crib in your room or buy a bassinet to go right beside your bed. Co-sleeping with your baby in your bed does carry the risk of your baby suffocating because of rebreathing or positional asphyxiation. Rebreathing can happen when a baby's face is up against something soft like a pillow, blanket, or mattress. The soft material creates a pocket of a baby's exhaled air that they are breathing back in over and over. This air quickly becomes higher in carbon dioxide and lacks the oxygen that a baby needs. Positional asphyxiation happens when a baby's neck slumps and blocks their airway. This can happen if a baby is sleeping in an elevated position, such as on a pillow. 
Babies don't yet have the ability to wake themselves up if they aren't getting enough oxygen. So suffocation can happen quickly and silently. The reality for many parents is that co-sleeping happens at some point just to get some semblance of sleep. One study in the UK found that 76% of parents reported co-sleeping at some point. Unfortunately, what was also found in that study was that 40% of those co-sleeping scenarios were unsafe. Even if you don't plan to co-sleep, it is important to learn the safest way to bed share should you change your mind at some point or in case you decide to breastfeed in bed where there's a chance you could fall asleep. Following the Safe Sleep 7 can help you set up your space to be as safe as possible for your baby. These seven guidelines for safer bed sharing include a firm bed, a healthy, lightly dressed baby, and minimal pillows and blankets. Ideally, a bed sharing mother should not be a smoker or drink alcohol and should be breastfeeding. A breastfeeding baby naturally stays close to their mom's breast and is less likely to wander up higher in bed towards the pillows or down lower towards the blankets. Bottle feeding mothers can still bed share but should be careful to sleep in a C position, curled around their baby. In this position, a baby will be encouraged to stay in a safe space free of blankets and pillows. Babies should always be placed on their back to sleep, even after they begin rolling onto their tummies around two to four months. Before they master rolling back onto their back, they may need your help. While swaddling can be a great tool for calming a baby or for a baby sleeping in a crib, Babies should not be swaddled while bed sharing so that they don't overheat. Overheating can be dangerous for a baby, and the mother's heat will keep her baby warm enough while bed sharing. Whatever decision you make about co-sleeping or co-rooming, make sure you do your own research and weigh the benefits and risks. These are important decisions that should be discussed and made with your partner. Try to be as prepared as possible before your baby comes, even if every baby is different. Babies have a way of seemingly figuring out our plans and doing the opposite thing. Stay flexible. Get to know your baby and shift your plans to meet everyone's needs. This will happen all throughout your parenthood, but it will be especially stark in those first few weeks and months. You can do it. Good afternoon. Um, I'm Lucinda calling from Portland, Oregon. Uh, yeah, I have a two-month-old who's kind of a fussy sleeper, and I'm wondering if I can give him a pacifier at night to soothe him. Um, is that safe? I, I have this anxiety that he would choke on it, but I know other moms who give their children pacifiers at bedtime. Um, often car rides are the only thing to get him to fall asleep, but doing that in the middle of the night when he wakes up is getting old, so I'm looking for some other ideas. Could a pacifier help him get back to sleep, or is, is there something else I should be doing instead? Hi, Lucinda. This is a great question. Thanks for sharing. How to use a pacifier, or dummy in British English, looks different for every family. Some babies refuse to take one, while other babies love them. Sometimes a baby is really picky, only taking one kind of pacifier. Other times, a baby will suck on anything. It's important to find what's best for your baby and your family. Pacifiers are totally safe to use. Your baby won't choke on it. Pacifiers have actually been shown in research to be a protective measure against SIDS. While pacifiers don't protect against SIDS 100% of the time, 
they do lower a baby's risk. Just make sure that you are using the right size of pacifier for how old your baby is. The downside to using pacifiers is that smaller babies may struggle to keep them in their mouth, or a baby may lose it in the night and cry because they want it put back in their mouth. However, if you're already struggling with broken sleep at night, it may be worth a shot to try a pacifier and see if it helps get your baby back to sleep quicker and more easily. If using a pacifier is not the way that you want to go, there are other things that may help soothe your baby and put him to sleep. There is a list of five S's that calm babies. The first is suck, like on a pacifier, bottle, or breast. Even if a baby is not hungry, they may feel a desire to suck, which is why a pacifier can be so soothing. The second S is swaddling. If your baby is less than 12 weeks old and not rolling over, swaddling is a great way to help curb a baby's moro or startle reflex and help them sleep better. Before three or four months old, babies experience an involuntary startle reflex when they are laid down. This reflex can scare your baby and wake them up after you work so hard to get them to sleep. Securing a baby's arms in a swaddle can help prevent this. The third S is side or stomach lying. While a baby should be placed on their back to sleep, you may be able to calm your baby down and make them drowsy by holding them in a side lying position. The easiest way to do this is to lay them tummy down on your forearm with their head in your hand. The fourth S is shushing. You may be able to do this for a short time to soothe your baby. And using a white noise machine can be a great way to help baby feel safe and sleep longer at night. This noise is thought to remind them of the sounds of the womb. Finally, the last S is swinging or rocking. You know that your son likes car rides, so he may also like the motion of rocking. Swings are not a safe sleep space for your baby, but they can be used to calm your baby or help him get drowsy before putting him in his crib. Getting your baby to sleep can be one of the biggest challenges of parenthood. If none of these suggestions help and the fussiness continues for an extended period of time, consider talking with your child's pediatrician. They may have other suggestions or want to look for other issues that may be present. Keep working at it. You will get there. Getting a baby to sleep through the night is no easy feat. I hope this episode will help you have more compassion for yourself and your infant as you navigate teaching him how to sleep. Here are three key points to remember about infant sleep. One. Babies are not born with developed circadian rhythms. Your infant won't experience the same sleep cycles as adults until they're about three months old. Two, bedtime and nap routines as well as sleeping arrangements will vary from culture to culture. Do what is safe and works for you and your family. Three, attending to your newborn won't spoil him and keep him from learning to self-soothe. Over time, you may have to adjust your feeding schedule and stop rocking your baby to sleep. But an infant younger than six months typically can't self-soothe. So you'll need to be there to make him feel safe and secure. By the time he's six months old, self-soothing is something he can practice and learn. And sleep training may be useful at this time. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and found it helpful. Stay tuned because next time we'll cover all your burning questions about infant feeding. 
we'll discuss hunger cues, breast versus bottle feeding, how much your baby should eat by age, and how to start them on solid foods. See you next time, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.